0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome everybody. This is Squawk Box. Welcome to the program. March market misery. The Dow closes in the red, posting its worst first quarter on record while Europe's major indices lose more than 20% during the period. The energy sector, the big underperformer, plunging nearly 35% in March, while US tech giants are among the few stocks to eke out gains, and healthcare, the best-performing sector.
1: Here in the UK, Britain's major banks are ditching their dividends after the regulator joins its European counterparts, calling on banks to keep their cash for lending. And the death toll in the United Kingdom marks its biggest daily rise, whilst President Trump warns the virus could claim as many as 240,000 U.S. lives. You're going to start seeing some real light at the end of the tunnel, but this is going to be a very painful, very, very painful two weeks.
2: And the highly watched tank and survey shows Japanese manufacturers turning gloomy for the first time in seven years. Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester tells CNBC, markets should brace for more dismal data.
3: I expect to see some very bad numbers coming out of the economy um, in the first quarter, the second quarter, and then what it looks like coming out of it, it's gonna really depend on how the virus proceeds.
0: Okay, I know it's April the 1st, but can i can i look now can i look are we anybody would think this was a horrific april fool's joke the way the markets have performed quarter to date month to date. But this is no joke. This is reality. And it's causing an awful lot of pain to portfolios here. So let's just show you. We're going to walk you through the numbers here, Juliana and I, just to remind you about the quarter that you've just seen and the month that you've just seen. So let's just go through these numbers for a moment here. The Dow Jones Industrial Average off 1.84% in the session yesterday, despite some hopes that we might actually be able to run together a series of improving quarters, uh, sorry improving sessions that didn't happen we saw the market down 1.8 per, uh, 8 Uh, 1.84%. You can see that represented here in the chart. But that number up here, that gives you a sense of the uh, quarter to date that we've had. This is the worst quarter that we have seen for the Dow since 1987. Something happened in 1987 that markets just find it hard to forget. We won't go into that here but that is the worst quarter since 1987. Let's roll the board and let's have a look at the S&P then. The S&P arguably and appropriately a broader representation of sentiment in the United States and broadly representing that big swathe of the US economy. Again, it finished in negative territory yesterday and on the quarter we are down for the S&P. The Nasdaq has fared a little bit better. There are those, I guess, who are holding out hope that the growth stocks, the growth sector and the innovation will ultimately show us leadership coming out of this when we can stop talking about coronavirus and start talking about getting back to work. The Nasdaq Composite finished off Uh, Almost 1% lower in yesterday's session. But as you look at the quarter to date, we were off just, and I say that uh, advisedly, just 14%. So, let's roll on and let's just have a look at that measure of the fear that has broken out in these risk assets. Uh, As you can see here, still very elevated levels for the VIX index, just reminding us that there still remains a great deal of uncertainty about the direction of travel. And as we look at, at other asset classes and we try and put the story together, for you here on CNBC, it is clear that other assets perceived as safe havens are still seeing some selling here as people sell what they can just to get some liquidity.
2: And liquidity, absolutely the crucial factor throughout the month of March and that led to what we saw in some of those safe havens, as you say, the sell off in some of those uh, assets that investors typically flock to in times of uncertainty. Well, let's take a look at European markets, which followed a similar story to the one Jeff just outlined that we saw on Wall Street. Here you've got a look at the FTSE 100, which has sold off quite heavily over the course of the quarter, down about 25%. Now, we had a coordination between fiscal and monetary authorities here in the UK to try to stem the not only the sell-off, but of course the economic impact that the, the lockdowns and the coronavirus will have on the economy. Uh, so following a similar path, we've seen a rally toward the end of the month, but overall for the FTSE 100, that was the worst quarter uh, ever. That was the worst quarter since 1987, worst Q1 ever for the UK benchmark. Taking a look at the German and in- The DAX, again, similar path here for German equities. For the quarter, the DAX down about 25%. And we, again, had unprecedented support coming through uh, from German authorities. We even had Germany go so far as abandoning their commitment to balance budgets to deal with the fallout from coronavirus. And again, in the last week or so of the month, we have seen a bounce back in the DAX. But overall for the quarter, a very sharp downturn. And that is the worst Q1 ever for the DAX as well. Finally, let's take a look at Italian markets, the original epicenter uh, of the outbreak in Europe and Italian markets have been hit more severely than broader Europe, but overall fairly uh, fairly similar losses. We've got 27% worth of losses for the FTSE MIB here. And just to put that number into context, that's the, the worst quarter ever uh, and, and the worst Q1 ever, obviously, accordingly. So the Italian market's getting hit a little bit more than broader Europe. Jeff.
0: Thanks very much indeed. So there was a a little bright light out there. The um, analysts over at uh, Deutsche Bank have been looking at the number of new infections. And um, uh, even as we head towards 800,000 here, it is interesting that they noted that for two consecutive days, uh, the global growth in new cases is below 10%. Ten percent, but it's a small crumb of comfort, Steve, for uh, those who are in this market at the moment and continue to look at these ledges that we create at certain price levels, and then we topple over them. Every time someone comes on here and tells us the misery is already priced in, I think healthy dose of scepticism at the moment seems the order of the day.
1: Yeah, I I, I 100% agree with you and good morning to both of you as well from uh, what is actually a lovely place down in Battersea. We'll talk about this a little bit later on as well. Look, Raw data is the key commodity in any price discovery. In any uh, exercise of trying to find out true knowledge, it's about the raw data. You have to go back. If you're doing your PhD or you're studying to become a doctor or whatever it is, you need to understand the raw data as well. And it's the same with the markets. Now, the raw data at the moment uh, isn't the level of the stock market. It's not a price earnings ratio. It's not a dividend yield. Uh, it's not even the economic data we're seeing looking backwards or indeed some of the PMIs looking forward. The raw data comes from Science. It comes from the medical uh, arena as well. And you're absolutely right to focus on those infections and I'm afraid to say the mortalities as well and the rate of growth in those f- infections in the, uh, the worst case scenarios in Europe and US uh, and the better rate uh, of growth of infections in areas such as China and South Korea at the moment. Once we get to extrapolate that raw data, then we can start making some economic assumptions and then the market can start using its various valuation metrics. So, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and we'll talk about the dividend story later on, I know we've already had a heated discussion uh, behind the scenes on Squatbox about that already today. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what your dividend yield is now. It almost doesn't even matter whether the stock market's lost 20 or 30% because the speed of the snapback or the speed of the decline, depending on where that raw data I mentioned goes, uh, will be quite enormous and may even put the moves we've seen in the first quarter uh, and pale them into insignificance once we know exactly what's going on, i.e. are we going into deep recession? Are we going to find ourselves in 1930s? territory uh, and deep depression or are we actually going to get on top of the pandemic quite quickly and the stimulus measures putting in and the regulatory changes being put in uh, and the actual fact that people were able to keep their jobs through it because the pandemic was contained that will be your raw data that then you can make your stock market assumptions from but stock market I'm afraid to say guys you're normally a forward-looking indicator but you're using very incomplete data at the moment so I admire Deutsche Bank I admire Moody's earlier in the week uh, cutting their ratings on various uh, assets including UK guilt, maybe, but they, they really are dealing with incomplete data. And if you haven't got the right data, you can only make guesstimates.
2: Uh, Steve, on that point about having only the right data, from a a stock of evaluation perspective, it's been interesting to see analysts uh, effectively slashing their EPS estimates for the next one, sometimes two years, and bringing the multiples that they look at forward, essentially acknowledging that we don't have any clarity on what the near-term numbers are going to be. And in order to make any kind of valid valuation argument, you've got to look down the line two years out. Uh, And that's what we're working with here, estimates that are you
1: know, two years out. Yeah, wrong. It's wrong, isn't it? You, you, how do they know that it's two years before you get an accurate EPS? How do you know you've got one year? How do you know it's three months? I, I admire the ladies and gentlemen who spend years uh, dedicating their careers to financial analytics and become these amazing analysts, strategists and economists. But it goes back to the same point as well. They haven't got a clue. And, and I'm not saying that disparagingly, because none of us have. If, if if we looked at the UK data on mortalities a couple of days ago, one well, might have thought, right, oh wow, uh, maybe I can buy the footsie because actually we can see a plateauing in the number of new deaths being reported or the growth rate of the new deaths. But then when you get a knockout dreadful, dreadful figure in the last 24 hours of 381 deaths in the UK, which may be underestimating it as well, because of course, um, there is questions about the methodology of, of the count on this as well. How can you make a decision on anything whether it's three months six months year so i admire everyone who's sticking to their guns working from home trying to do the analytics but until we find out how the speed of infections the speed of growth and what the economic ramifications are how can you tell me what uh, an eps on a company is two years out i mean it's it's like sticking the tail on the donkey isn't it
0: Uh, We're just showing some pictures here of the makeshift hospital in London. That is uh, the Nightingale Hospital that they've uh, uh, built very rapidly in in an existing conference centre in London. I never thought we'd see these uh, pictures from Central Park, though. This is the uh, makeshift hospital that's being set up in Central Park, effectively just tents being pitched in the middle of this park in New York. To provide some facilities, and again to your point, Steve, and just the, the 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 nature of the data, we've got this peculiar reverse auction now going on with the unemployment statistics. A terrific interview on CNBC with Loretta Mester, where she said, "Well, we could see the unemployment rate in the U.S. go up over ten percent." Goldman's then apparently trumping that by telling us that they see a 15 percent number at this stage. Obviously, a lot of guesstimates here and that remarkable range of potential fatalities in the United States coming out of the pres- president's press briefing, where we're now looking at a range of somewhere between 100,000 and 240,000. In fact, this range is so wide that statistically it almost seems nonsensical. And yet, as you say, this is the world that investors are now having to negotiate and try to pull out some threads of fact and reality to make sensible investing decisions.
1: Yeah, all, all of the above. I, I think um, I, I couldn't agree more. I hope we're not sounding like an echo chamber here as well. But, but like in terms of if you do want to get into this market, the only thing that I mean, look, you and I have been in and around markets between us for considerably over 50 years, so we've seen a thing or two in this. And Juliana, you of course have your financial industry background as well, so you've you've seen a thing or two as well. But one thing I can say is that there will still be consumer staples companies in five years' time. There will still be banks, the stronger ones, in five years' time. There will even be some automakers. There will be some then what degree of state ownership and state involvement remains to be seen. But if you do have cash and you do have a longer term perspective and you are looking at these valuations now on a longer term basis, and I'm not just comparing uh, over the last couple of years since we've hit market peaks and come off again, then maybe there are some uh, investment choices that don't look too bad. If you are finding mid single digit or higher single digit price earnings ratios out there for companies that can't sell goods quickly enough, that can't sell dry pasta quickly enough, that can't sell. Uh, Whatever product it is, whether it's a pharmaceutical product, whether it's a genetic testing product as well, of course, those companies will be around. But there are certain companies and certain sectors you have to consider, A, will they be around and B, what will the degree of state ownership be? And C, as we're going to discuss a little bit later on, will they be able to pay you an income? I'm I'm starting a discussion on Twitter at the moment about income in the banking sector. And again, we'll come to this later on as well. But who cares what a five, six uh, dividend uh, yield is now, five, six percent, maybe seven, eight percent as well. That will pale into insignificance to the money that will be made or lost on these individual stocks if indeed we beat this pandemic or indeed, as I say, it goes the opposite direction.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a that's a terrific point. If you if you iron out a long term chart of the FTSE or even the Dow, uh, even those big market moves like 87 look like a wrinkle uh, when you take a look at the chart on a historical basis. And of course, as always, uh, it's important investors remember the difference between liquidity and insolvency. We will be back to the conversation in just a moment. Uh, We should update you on some of the news from China this morning. The manufacturing sector apparently bounces back to growth in March, but only just. We'll have a look at the numbers when we come back.
2: And for more on one of the most volatile months in market history, check out the Squawk Box podcast. You can get it in all the obvious places.
0: Welcome back, everybody. The early look at the future is suggesting we will have a negative start to the trading session, but we'll see how they move as we get to them. Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester has told CNBC the virus outbreak could push U.S. unemployment over 10 percent to as much as 30 percent. Mester, the sole dissenter in the Fed's emergency move to cut rates to near zero, said the economic picture would get worse before it gets better.
3: I expect to see some very bad numbers coming out of the economy um, in the first quarter second quarter, and then what it looks like coming out of it, it's going to really depend on how the virus proceeds.
2: Let's get a check on the latest trading session in Asia. The overnight session, a bit of a mixed picture there. You can see uh, over in Japan, stocks are under a bit of pressure. The Nikkei 225 down about 2.4%. Topics also down nearly 2%. Uh, And the South Korean index is down about 0.6%. Australian stocks, though, holding up a little bit better. Uh, And the big data point overnight, of course, that uh, Kaishin Manufacturing PMI will come into that in just a minute. Let me highlight for you some data we got out of Japan, though, first business sentiment in Japan turned pessimistic for the first time in seven years, according to the Tenken survey. The Bank of Japan's quarterly report showed the large manufacturer's index fell to minus eight, which is the worst reading since March 2013.
0: China's manufacturing sector expanded slightly in March after plunging a month earlier, uh, according to that survey. Didn't you just read this?
2: I flagged that we were going to talk in more detail, but this is definitely one of the key drivers. We'll we'll
0: give you the detail then. Uh, The Kaishin PMI number improved to 50.1 for the month as the country slowly started returning to work. But demand remains fragile as the rest of the world battles the pandemic. Obviously, this uh, Chinese data is grabbing a lot of attention here, and we're all trying to figure out whether this represents factories actually producing things, or people just going back to work and starting up the machines. Well, let's get out to Sherry, who's got more on the impact on the Asian session. Good morning, Sherry.
3: Good morning, Jeff. So the V-shaped recovery, I mean, the chart is pretty remarkable, visually powerful there. But uh, let's bear in mind that these PMIs are not actual Output coming out of mainland China, but it's really about the outlook for the direction of the economy. So perhaps it's really about stabilization of economic activities coming out of February. Of course, uh, that was really the month that the Chinese economy hurt the most. So coming in the expansionary territory of 50.1. And also, I think it's important to point out at this point that it's really about the, uh, the, the gauge that we're getting is really the smaller and the private manufacturers in China with the Chaishin manufacturing at PMI that we got this morning. In the meantime, I think it's worth talking about the quarterly performance of mainland China because resilience is really the word that I keep using to describe what's been happening amid the virus fears with mainland Chinese stocks because single-digit losses for the first quarter of this year Not bad when we're talking about Nikkei down 20%. KOSPI in South Korea down 20%. India down as much as 29%. Shanghai Composite actually just gave about 9.8%. Shenzhen down just about 3.3%. So that resilience, sure, it could be the national team coming in, or it could be some expectations of the stimulus program the Chinese authorities keep talking about. And also, there is really the uh, you know the Chinese government's response to uh, you know contain the spread of the virus as well. Although it was a, a still a, the worst quarter for the Shanghai composite since the fourth quarter of 2018, there was that globally a uh, r- relatively a uh, resilience in the global uh, you know in the global scheme of things as well. In the meantime, I think it's it's also interesting. I was reading this uh, FT article about how China edged out the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ for the first time since 2016 as really the attraction for global listings as well. So coronavirus are doing a lot of interesting things in terms of the spread between mainland China and global world. Guys, back to you.
0: Thanks very much for that. Let's move on. Hong Kong listed shares in HSBC and Standard Chartered are trading sharply lower after major UK lenders announced they would scrap dividend payments following pressure. From the Bank of England, the British banks have been due to pay out around £8 billion in dividends for 2019. The Bank of England's regulatory arm also wants lenders to suspend bonus payments, although no decision has yet been made on that request. The uh, speculation is that when all this is said and done, we could see dividend cuts of at least £30 billion for the UK, which is going to be pretty hard news for those pensioners in Middle England who rely on this income, Steve, uh, and don't seem to be being addressed by any of the safety nets.
1: I agree. I agree, but those pensioners do have the assets in the underlying stocks as well. And my point is, the underlying stocks will go south by more than a six, seven, eight percent dividend yield if indeed this economy tanks. So let's talk about this in chronology. Uh, If you don't have dividends because you don't have banks, because you don't have an economy, because you have a depression like uh, situation, uh, what would you prefer? Would you prefer your five, six, seven percent income yield, or would you actually prefer viable banks that actually have an underlying value on the stock market as well? It, It seems to me, again, we talk about sequencing. We talk about chronology. We talk about the most important things. What is the most important thing at the moment? Is it a five, six, seven percent income yield for people who have got money to put in the stock market, or is it actually that there is a uh, an underlying economy? And if the banks can't supply liquidity to that economy, because let's face it, we saw a very near crisis like that with queues outside a lot of banks, and we saw the demise of the likes of uh, Northern Rock in this country, Lehman's in the US, a whole host of banks in Italy and across Europe as well, and dare I say it, some still very moribund zombie-like banks across the world especially europe as well you need viable banks and if you've taken away the legs from the banks by destroying their net interest margins you've taken away the counter cyclical buff you've made them lend more money and keep the lines of liquidity open unlike in 2008 2009 uh, then you can forget about your dividends because there won't be banks so my chronology on this one is very simple as well let me just show you something i'm going to show you something absolutely stunning and just tie it in with what i'm doing down here in batteries day i came down here because behind me it's stunning. Look, my cameraman, Mike, will show you how stunning it is. He gonna pan right along from the U.S. Embassy, uh, our Nine Elms on the left, and we're gonna go right through to um, Badsey Power Station Development. Tens of millions. Now, let me get that right. Hundreds of millions of dollars of pounds of euros worth of property is being built on this site. I'm talking about the best part of 30,000 new homes. I'm talking about Apple's new campus. I'm talking about Mac. I'm talking about Joe Malone. I'm talking about lots and lots of retail sites, lots of offices uh, and lots of homes as well. If none of that gets sold, or if the debt on those properties to the construction companies or the people who have bought off plan uh, becomes defunct as well, becomes zombie-like as well, what happens to those banks? oh yeah, the dividends go as well, and potentially the banks go as well. So yeah, cut the buybacks, cut the dividends, cut the bonus, let's get back to raw lending and make sure those lines of liquidity remain open because the estimates for what's happening to commercial real estate, to home building, well, you can all have a look. I and mean, The minimum number's about 10% at the moment, the biggest number decline is much bigger than that. Jeff, Giuliana.
2: Steve, I want to come back to the dividend conversation. We've seen a pretty negative share price reaction, as you would obviously expect, from Standard Chartered and HSBC in the overnight session. But if you think about what this could do for the reputation of banks, clearly banks were considered the bad guys in the global financial crisis. Here they're confronted with the choice. Do they act differently this time around? Could this be a turning point for the public image of these banks as they proceed with these (laughs) dividend cuts?
1: Yeah, that's a stretch, isn't it, Juliana? Well, people are going to start thinking that banks and journalists are great, yeah. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. But I do believe that it will it will curtail some of the worst criticism. Absolutely. Look, if the banks are still paying big bonuses, if the uh, I I'm in mean Chelsea, by the way, which is uh, as you know one of the swankiest areas uh, in London as well, if they're still driving around in their Ferraris and uh, uh, Aston Martins and, uh, and what have you at the moment and uh, living their life, that's not going to look good in the current in the society post coronavirus, is it as well? So no, look, if the Bankers want to um, keep their very highly paid jobs, and let's face it, uh, face it, a lot of them, and I'm not talking about the grassroots staff here, I'm talking about the investment banking side of things, the, uh, the, the higher echelon, so to speak. They just need to keep a low profile and do the right thing for a couple of years. That will put them in great stead as well. And as we talked about earlier uh, in the week as well, there is a morality issue about this as well. If people are losing their homes, they're not getting their mortgages, they're finding they can't make their repayments, what have you. Personally... Personally, from what I've seen so far, from the banks' statements that have been coming out across the board, and I've looked at a whole host of them, I think the banks are doing a good job of trying to keep in touch with their customers, which is the polar opposite of what they did to their people they were supposed to give liquidity, both in financial markets and indeed, uh, dare I say, on the retail side of things in 2008, 2009. I think it's the polar opposite. I think they've learned their lesson. Thank you
0: for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving
1: news, you can head to cnbc.com.